morning. Maybe some of you says, are you really kidding? You know, maybe you can be in the beach. Uh, you could be, so some people, it could be Las Vegas, you know, I don't know. Maybe to some of you, I could be flying somewhere else. Or just lying down, sleeping at home, maybe that is your favorite pastime, you know. Or some of you could be running. It's a beautiful day, but you chose to be in church this morning. And I'm blessed because I know you're, you're here for the very, very important reason. We're here to worship the Lord. Amen? We talked about living worship. By the way, worship is not only something that's personal. One of the challenges we face in America today, we're very, a very individualistic society. It's all about me. Even worship can be done by myself, right? Oh, I can be, I can be spiritual. I can be outside and spend my time with the Lord. By the way, you can worship the Lord personally. But when you read scriptures, worship is also something that is corporate. Look to scripture over and over again. When God's people came together, they worship. So if you think that worship is just by yourself, it's a very selfish approach to worship. Because God expects us to be together. Even the Lord, even God himself, he had the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, Holy Spirit. They were together. There's something about being together that makes a difference. Why? Because everybody has a sense of belonging. We, we need that. We live in a very lonely society. Do you realize that? You can stay behind the computer and live your world right there. It can be very, very lonely. Those of you maybe came from the Philippines and came to America for the very first time, this is a very lonely place. Especially if you don't know anybody. They probably even stare at you. Hey, we've been to places with my wife. We're, we're the only ones that looks like this. And people say, like, what are you doing here? Well, don't I have the right to be here too? It can be lonely. But let me give one example. There was an ex-convict. And there's something painful about being an ex-convict. When you've been incarcerated and you've been in jail, and you've been there for a while, you are marked. When you leave that jail and you apply for a job and they say you're an ex-convict, guess what? It's like, right? It's almost like, I'm, what have you done? When it, and that's something that is so painful for somebody. And the story about this ex-convict is that he was, he was walking the streets, trying to look for a job, trying to find some friends. But everybody was like, I don't want you. He became so lonely to the point that he felt like I couldn't belong anywhere. And so he found, as he was walking, he found a businessman. And this businessman was walking. He looked like he was happy. He said, sir, 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 he says, um, is it okay? He looked like a friendly guy. And the guy says, okay. He says, uh, sir, can I ask you to do something for me? And since the businessman was so friendly, he says, I believe I can. And here's what he said. All I want you to know is that no people know whether I will live or die. In other words, if I die, who cares? If I'm gone from this world, nobody probably even knows that I'm gone. Nobody been called probably because I'm just like somebody out there that nobody cares about. Can you do something for me, sir? And this is what he said. Could you do something for me for the, for the next two weeks? Can you just think of me for the next two weeks? Just think that you will be remembering me during this whole time so that, I can all, so that I can also feel at least one person is thinking of me. Folks, that is a very, very painful word when that is what you're asking for. 
You know, sometimes you think about church. You know, this can be a lonely place too. Do you know that? You know, you can come to church. And this morning, we didn't do something here that sometimes probably, hopefully you, you missed it. I like coming to church. I like the fact when I go to the door like this morning, my sister was there. She was just smiling. Thank God for the greeters up front, right? What happens if you come in front and they just stare at you? You've been away for a long time. Like it's a guilt complex, right? But what happens is it says, hey, I miss you guys. I like that. I long for that. I want to be touched. Because I can be behind a computer, but I can't touch you on the computer. I may be Facebooking you, but I still want to be held. Even God the Father knew that we needed to be held. He sent his son down so he can be like you and like me. Somebody needs to be touched. And folks, in a church like this, it can be a lonely place. I've been to churches where it's very, very lonely. I can sit down and after service, leave the church. And probably nobody will even notice. Right? Have you been to places like that? I've been to places like that. Boy, that can be a lonely place. And yet we worship the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Right? And you see, you're back there. Maybe, I like that. And then afterwards you leave and you're gone. You know, if you have an accident out there, nobody even knows in the church that you had an accident. Why? Because you come and then you leave. Is worship like that? Is church like that? Folks, it is not to be like that. God has created us that we are going to be a church that can live life together. If our churches will make a difference in our ever-changing world, we need the word community. Let me use the word community. Where you commune, you do things together in unity, community. Would you love to be a part of a church like that? I would love to be a part of a church like that. Show me a church like that and I would join it. But show me a church that doesn't care about you. That would be painful. You know, sometimes we have folks that uh, have come to a church. I'm going to ask you, when they left our church, did we really ever contact them? Did we try to make them feel like we missed them? Unless God leads them to another place. They've been gone for two or three Sundays and nobody's called them up. It's that painful, right? When you come back, they didn't even know you were gone, right? Oh, you were gone for a whole month? I didn't know that. Oh, okay. See, that's what it means to feel like if you were gone, if somebody says, you know what, I really missed you. You know, I, I want to learn from my wife. And by the way, I don't want to put her in the spot. She does like me to always do this. But she does something which I really appreciate. Because... I know when our kids, even at this age, they know something. If they don't text her or call her or in Facebook, what will you hear? The first thing you know, you haven't called me up, right? You haven't texted me. I haven't seen you on Facebook. Okay, mom, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But you know what? They appreciate that because they miss that. Because I knew my wife did something. One time she said, she, didn't, she said, you know what? They're big enough. I'm, just, I'm not going to call them up. Right? She felt like that. The next thing you know, they called, Mom, are you okay? <laughs> uh, why didn't you call us or text us? Oh, I was just doing my thing. But they realized that they missed that. And folks, folks we need that kind of relationship. Why? Because we are a church. And what is the church? The church is a family of God. 
Now, what happens when you have family? Can I, can I, can I use a tool illustration? Family is like this, right? When you come, I want the big hug from my mom, from my, my, my brother, my sister. It's like this, right? But what happens when you come to your home and they're like this? When do people start pushing back? When something has happened in your relationship with the family. Am I correct? And sometimes people start to push back on church for a couple of reasons. Number one, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to be honest with you. People start to push back on church because, first of all, they don't have a good relationship with the Father. Show me somebody who decides not to be in church, and I'm going to point to you a person that doesn't have a good relationship with the Father. It always goes back to that. Because if you love the Lord so much, you will love His people. You will love them with all their flaws and imperfection. You will still care about them. But when you don't love the Lord, you love other stuff, then you don't like the things that He wants, and you stay away from that. As a matter of fact, when you come to church, there's always going to be an excuse. Why were you not in church? Like this. Because of like this. Because of like, when you hear excuses, that person has not made this church and the family of God a priority. Am I correct? Show me somebody who gives excuses. That person is making that, that whatever they're doing as a reason for not to be there. Why were you not there? Kase. Because. Folks, when you love somebody, you will take the time. Amen? When you love somebody, regardless of what, what the weather is, when you're in love with somebody, especially the Lord, you will make the time to be with these people. And so this morning, is it too much for me to say there's too much of I, me, and mine? We live in a very individualistic world. That needs to change. Have you ever th thought about the songs that we sang over here? Most of our songs is about I. Don't get me wrong. I worship you. Right? Who's worshiping? I. What happens if that I becomes we worship you? In other words, if that person is not there, you cannot say we, right? You need to be together. So you can say, you know what? Maybe next time it means to say we, and you look around. Who's not there? Because we need to be together. Once in a while, I would say that the song we sang, the last one there, Jesus, lover of my soul. I'm going to ask you at the end of the service, we're going to change that song. Add another phrase. Just change the word from me to us. Jesus, lover of our soul. Jesus, you will never let us go. Because it's all about me. Because it's me, then I'm not going to miss you. So we need that thing. So this morning, if you got your Bibles with you, and by the way, it's also in your bulletins, I'm going to give you some reasons why it is so important for us to come together. Where first of all, we're, we're a body of Christ. First Corinthians chapter 12. It's not in your scripture, but in First Corinthians chapter 12, we're like a body. If the hand is not there, it's missing the body, right? Every part of our body says if something is not there, it's missing. But another good picture for this it's found in Galatians chapter 3. Open to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to verse 28. Are you ready? Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to verse 28. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. 
For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor freeman. There is neither male or female. For you are all what? One in Jesus Christ. If you're not part of that, then you're, you, you don't feel like you're part of the body of Christ. We are part of this family. So why do I believe it's so important? Let me give you, let me give you seven things. Just seven things, all right? It's in your materials there. I hope you will go over this not only with your family, but with somebody else. The number one reason why we need to be together is because we belong to God's family. Galatians chapter 6. You're still there. Look, to, look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Because we've been bought with a price, we belong to this. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to what? To all people. Let's, let's show that we love all people. But notice the next statement here. And especially to those who are what? Of the household of what? Who are those people? The people who love the Lord. In other words, folks, we need to love everyone out there. But especially to the people who are part of the household of faith. Why? Can I use the word? Because they're family. Folks, we need to treat everyone out there who, knows, who needs to know the Lord Jesus Christ to become part of the family. You and I have a cultural background. And what is important about the culture? It's the word family. If you're part of my family, you come to my family, regardless of where you are, you will, you will be loved and protected. There's something about family that we need to understand. It is so special in the sight of God that we need to make sure that we treat each other that way. Second, look at number two. Why? Because we, oh, before I forget, family. Do you know this in the book of Acts? When the Holy Spirit came, after the Holy Spirit came, you see the word brother and sister over and over again. That word brother and sister means you're part of what? God's family. If God is your father and he is my father, what are we? Family. family. That's right. And therefore, we need to understand, we need God's family. If you're not here, we're going to miss you. And we need to have that kind of attitude about family. Second reason why it's important for us to have community, because we need each other in order to grow. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. You know this passage, but look at what it says. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. When you come together, you, you, you'll, you'll be able to help each other grow spiritually. You're there to be able to encourage each other. You're there because you realize that you can do it on your own. I want you to notice Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes. Somebody's saying, where's Ecclesiastes? All right. Let's all, let's all grow together. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. All right. Let's go to the book of Ecclesiastes. Because I like this verse. If you don't like this verse, I pray you will be able to learn so much from this. Especially as the weather gets even colder, right? Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 to verse 10. Follow me closely here. It says, two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. That's so beautiful there. For if either of one of them falls, the other one will what? Lift up his companion. 
But woe to the one who falls when there is no one there. That is painful. If you fall down, nobody can even say, kawawa ka naman, or poor on you. But rather, or, or somebody just to say, are you okay? To lift you up. Notice what it says here. There is not another one to lift them up. Verse 11, furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. Oh, I like it when it gets cold. Because sometimes you want to sneak in carefully, especially when you went camping, remember? Oh, man. Those of you who went camping, it's, 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 I, w- I want to get really snuggy. All right? Pardon, man? Pardon? Yes, but I'm saying you, you just have to say thank God if there's somebody that's close to you there. Right? Because we do need one another to keep us up, up warm. Notice what it says here. And how can one be warm if they're alone? Verse 12. And if one can overcome him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. You got one cord, it breaks apart. You have three cords. Man, you could talk about a stronger cord. There's something about being together by twos. God wants us also to realize there's something important about being together because we can encourage one another. One of the things I enjoy about the Roman soldiers, they were known to be people who can cover each other's back. If you were going to be a Roman soldier and you're going to be fighting a group, I'll take care of everybody in my front. Have you ever the expression, cover my back? I can't see my back. But when somebody's at my back, I'll take care of this. You take care of my back. Folks, we need that, we need that kind of protection and help in the church. I'm going to help you protect you from people who want to destroy you. And the same way, brother, you can count on me. But sometimes the sad part, if you're not careful, we can also tear each other apart in a church like this. Instead of building up one another, we even destroy our wounded people. The Bible tells us we need to really learn what it means to help one another. The next one is we need accountability. Oh, I want you to look at this. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. Hebrews 3, 13. When I was going to this passage, I say, Lord, I need to, be doing, need to be doing more of this. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. But encourage one another, what? Day after day. Let me ask you. Are you doing this? Hopefully you are. Especially between husband and wives. But this also means to other believers. As long as it is still called what? Today. When do you do it? When When should you start? Folks, I'm guilty. I'm not doing that with uh, with a lot of people today. I'm so busy doing my own work, right? You're busy. But the Bible says, let us hold each other accountable day after day. Who are you holding accountable to right now? And who is holding you accountable that you're also doing that? We therefore need to be accountable to each other. Why? Because that's what the Bible tells us. Number four. What else? Why do we still have to come together? Because it says... Christ's presence is there when we're together. Matthew 18, verse 20 says, Where two or three are gathered, where is he? In our midst. Christ is in our midst. However, that verse is used for conflicts. In other words, when you have conflicts, even when you gather together, God can be there to help resolve your conflicts. 
But much even more when you come together in worship and fellowship. He's there. Let me ask you. Do you really believe that God is in our presence this morning? You better believe because that's what the scripture tells us. He is here with us. We should enjoy that. Matthew 18, 19 also says, When we're together, we can accomplish greater things. Greater things can happen when we are united. There's something about pulling together that we can do things, greater stuff. I think I told you a story about the, the Belgian horse. You know, one horse can only pull 7,000, all right? If you have another one, maybe you can pull, two horses can pull 14,000. But when you pull together and you are united, you can even pull double than that. From 14, it jumps over 20,000. Why? Because you are united for the right purpose. I'm going to ask you to now open to John chapter 17, verse 21, because this is so critical in our life together, in doing community. John 17, 21. Just follow me carefully what it says here. Starting from verse 20. I do not ask on behalf of this alone, but for those who believe in me through their word. In other words, those of you and me that are believers now. That they may be one even as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they may be in us so that the world may believe in you that you have sent me. The world will know that we are his, belie- as his followers, as our witnesses, when we have that love for one another. We become the greatest testimony of what it means to be together. One more verse. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. And why do we do this? Because it is expected of us. It says, verse 10. It says, As each one of us has received a special gift, employ it in, in, in serving one another as God's stewards of the manifold grace of God. Folks, we are expected to be able to express this kind of gifts to help one another. So there are a number of verses here which I want you to be your assignment. Look at the word one another. Every time you see the word one another, underline that. If I were you, try to Google it. There are so many one another scriptures telling us that we do need to help each other. For example, serve one another. That's one in Galatians chapter 5. It says, accept one another. Romans 15, 7. What about forgive? Oh, do you know how to forgive? Folks, forgiveness starts in the home. Forgiveness starts with the fact that if God has forgiven me, I need to forgive you. Regardless of how big your mistakes are, we need to learn how to forgive. That's correct, my sister. Thank you for responding. Yes. We cannot really understand forgiveness until we expect, until we receive God's forgiveness. Because God has forgiven us. We need to forgive one another. Now think about this this morning. Is there somebody here that is hard for you to forgive? Somebody that has hurt you? Somebody that has said things about you that may not be true? Somebody who's done things that you know and sometimes you realize, why would they ever do this? The Bible says what? Forgive. Guys, humanly speaking, I don't want to. But who am I? When the Bible tells me that I'm supposed to forgive as Christ has forgiven me, 
if I, I have all these faults and flaws, if God can forgive me, who am I not to forgive my sister or my brother? What else? It says, bear one another's burden. You know, when I look around here, you might be surprised. Behind the faces that are around in church today, there's so many burdens. If you just hear sometimes what the pastors have to listen to the burdens that they carry in some of the deacons, people have a lot of burdens. Let me share with you some of the burdens. Some people here are burdened even with sickness. Every day that they wake up, there's so much pain. And sometimes they don't even know how to control it, how to deal with it. Maybe you know somebody in your home right now that's about to die. And you, bear, you carry that burden. Second, there's also burden of wayward families and members and children. You know you pray so much that you want them to be back, and yet you know that they're slipping away. And some say, Lord, please bring them back. It hurts you. Loved ones who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ because they are not even believers. That should burden you. They're burdened for this. Some of you are burdened also financially. You know you may be getting that sleep, uh, pink sleep anytime. Maybe some of you don't even have a job right now. You don't even know where the next meal would be. There's, there are burdens financially. Your kids are going to college. How am I going to support them? I don't have insurance for my health. And so forth and so on. Maybe you live in a community, somebody was just shot over there, and now you can go to bed because you're just scared. Folks, there's so much burden people are carrying today. What does the Bible tell us? We need to learn to bear one another's burden. What about honoring someone? Do we honor one another? You need to honor people that are made in the image of God, regardless of what background they come from. Regardless of their past, we need to honor people because they're all made in the image of God. We need to teach one another. How about this word? We need to submit to one another. Oh, do you enjoy submitting to one another? One of the hardest parts of, of submitting is when somebody is going to be saying things to you that are very painful. One of the things that happens when you're accountable to each other, you're willing to say to that person, I love you and I need to say this to you. One of the most painful things sometimes I hear from people that say to me, you know what, Pastor? You said that you will pray for me. And sometimes I know you prayed for me, but I don't know if I really believe in prayer. Because that prayer has not really been answered in my life. And they're bitter about the Lord. What do I do as a pastor? Am I to be blamed by, by that? What do I do when this person feels like, is it really real that God is really, really in my life? I prayed all this time and look what's happening. Folks, I don't have the answers. You know what I can do as a minister? I say, I'm not the person you need to be trusting in. You need to be focusing on the Lord. Because the answer is found in Him. I'm not the Messiah. God may use me as an instrument, but you need to focus your faith and trust in the Lord. You know why they think? They think that I have a hotline to the Lord. Pastor, you know, I, I, think, I think your prayers are better than mine. You know, at one point, I really believe in that. When I was a younger pastor, oh, Really? Okay, come on, I'll pray for you. <laughs> then I realized, folks, it's not about me. It's not even about my prayer. It's not how beautiful my prayer is. Sometimes I thought maybe the more beautiful my prayer is, maybe God will listen to it. Or maybe those people say, oh, he prays so well. I want him to pray for me because maybe his prayer will impress God. Oh, folks, the longer I become in the ministry, I realize I can't impress the Lord. I don't have monopoly of Jesus Christ. 
Every one of us here who knows Jesus Christ, you have a direct access to the Father. Amen? Amen. Oh, thank God. Folks, don't wait for Sunday. Say, Lord, God, you're my Father. As a matter of fact, let me tell you about prayer while I enjoy. A lot of people are lonely today, right? There's a lot of people are lonely. I said, if you truly are connected with the Lord, you will never be lonely. If you can spend your time in speaking with the Lord, say, Lord, this is between you and you. You can speak to him every time. The things that you struggle with, he knows. It might be about your, your family, your wife. Things that sometimes it's so hard to share with somebody. Say, Lord, just between you and me, Lord. Yes, I know. You will never be lonely when you spend time in prayer. Let me share with you a second reason why you will never be lonely. You will never be lonely if you're doing the ministry and the will of God. Can I say it again? If you are doing the ministry and the will of God, you will never be lonely. Why? Because she decides, Lord, not my will, but whose will? Folks, if you're single today, don't feel guilty that you're not married, all right? I'm, I'm going to be... Sometimes we married people put the guilt trip on, the, on our single people. That's right. I'd rather see you single than married to a prayer person that's not faithful. And you're miserable for the rest of your life. Okay? But you're single for a purpose that you can share your faith and minister to others and be able to do your ministry. Say, Lord, I would rather be ministering and leading, leading people to the Lord because that's what my purpose is. Folks, if you're married, listen carefully. Your marriage is not only for your own sake. It's not only for the happiness of your family. The problem in many Christians' home today, many times we think the purpose of having a family is for us to be happy. Do I be able to have children and to continue my lineage? Folks, it's not about that. You have to understand. God created your family and my family so we can carry out the people's will and purpose of God. That is to what? Bring more people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So my wife and I should be a team. My family should be a team so that we'll be serving the Lord. It's no longer just about me. The problem is many times it's always about my family, my heritage, my reputation. It's not about us anymore. It's about God's reputation. What is he doing through you and through me? So when you think about this now, say, okay, now I understand. I understand now. So how are we going to do this? Can I give you a simple plan for our church if we're going to follow this? How can we do community together? You say, all right, I agree. We need to be together. We need to do all these things. How can we do this? I'm so glad the Bible gives us a good example. Acts chapter 2. Come on. Let's open to Acts chapter 2. And I pray as a church, we should be able to do this. We should be able to do community together if we put this into practice. Acts chapter 2, starting from verse 42. Notice what it says. Let me go, let me go further down. Okay, I'm going to start for verse 42. They were, this was the early church, they were continually devoting themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching. They spent time together in the Word, being strengthened to know what the will of God is. Get into the Word. You will not know who God is until you spend time in the Word. 
until you understand what the Word of God says. What else? Teaching them. Oh, there, there, there's a part of discipling right there. What else? To have fellowship. What is fellowship? It's the word koinonia. When you come together, you do things together. It's never to be by yourself. Be alone. Let's continue the word it says there too. And it says, I'm sorry, I think I, I lost my, my train of that over there. Okay, ver, verse, verse, 40, ver, verse 43. 44. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. They were willing to share things together. And they began selling the property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Verse 46. Day by day, continuing one another where? In the temple. Where else? The breaking of bread. Where else? Folks, it's important for us to be together. It says in the temple. Day by day, they spend time in the temple. They wanted to learn together. But what else? They also spend time in what? In the houses. There's something about the house that we need to all be a part of. You need to be a part of a small group. Right here is where you learn how to be ministered to. What can happen here? You'll have Bible study. You'll have prayer. You'll have communion time. You'll have a time for mutual support, encouragement. You can be equipped. You can also be sent from the small groups. What happens in small group? You learn to do life together. You see, when you come to church on Sunday, uh, sometimes you're at your very best. You come... Uh, you sit down, you praise the Lord, you give your offering, and then you leave. But I don't see you dealing with your problems. I don't deal with, see you dealing with your children. I don't hear about the things you struggle about your job. We need a time when we can do life together and you share. How did you do it? How did you overcome this? It is in those small groups where you learn what it really means to do life together. So they came because they had the right spirit. The Holy Spirit brought them together. They came because they had the right purpose, not only for fellowship, that God will use this small group so we can win more people to the Lord. Let me ask you, how, how good is our small groups? If it's always just about fellowship, then we need to do more than fellowship. We need to be reaching out. What else? They learn how to practice life together. So let me share with you in closing, one of the things that I really enjoyed about when we do things together is about the Good Samaritan. Remember the Good Samaritan? It's when we learn to love one another. Something about the Good Samaritan story in Luke chapter, chapter 10. It came right after Christ says, if you're going to follow me, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And how do you do that? By loving one another. And one of the things I like to learn about this Good Samaritan story in Luke chapter 10, is that he was called the Good Samaritan. There was never such a thing as a Good Samaritan. If you were a Samaritan, you were an outcast. And yet they were called what? A good Samaritan. And, and why, what happened here? I have to, you have to understand it's our attitude of how we treat each other. Remember the rubber? The rubber, according to the story, he, he, he took the possession of this, this person and almost left him half dead. What was the rubber's attitude about life? What is yours is mine. We've got a lot of rubbers today. They want to rob the joy out of our life. They want to rob the fellowship that we have, even the church. They want to rob the purpose of our life. And Satan is a robber. He's going to rob us of all the joy that we have in serving the Lord. There are many robbers because what he says, what is yours, I want it. 
There's envy and jealousy. However, there's a second group. It's called the priest and the Levite. You know what the priest is? A priest is supposed to be a good example. He's supposed to be teaching everything about loving and doing things. He saw the robber. What did, what did the priest do? He just walked by. Like he says, you know what? I'm busy. I have to be in church. Oh, I'm busy. I have, I have another appointment. Folks, I would say the priest is somebody that is so busy doing so many things that we forget to help one another. Are you so busy in life today that you haven't taken the time to help each other? Oh, that's painful. Oh, by the way, there was another guy there. Remember the Levite? What did the Levite do? Oh, he even came by. He even kind of checked on him. But you know what? He didn't do anything about that. And some of us are like that too. Have you ever been in an accident uh, where you're going down on Highway 85 or somewhere? And all of a sudden you say, why is, it, why is the traffic too long? You know? And you keep going by. And all of a sudden you see there's an accident on the other side. We're like this. We're like you're saying, what happened? Right? And that's all that we do. We just say, oh, what happened to so and so? And you don't do anything about this. Folks, we could be like that. We may hear stories about somebody, but we don't act at all. How many people do you know here right now may be hurting, but what have you done? There's a lot of people who are homeless around here too. What have we done? There are a lot of people right now probably no longer here, and what have we done? We could be like the priest and the Levite. We see the need, but we don't do anything. But thank God there was a guy by the name of a Samaritan. By the way, you know what the Levite is? He says, what is mine is mine. I'm not going to bother you, but you don't bother me. Is there a lot of people like that in America today? That is such an individual society. I pray we're going to be the third kind of person. This is what family is all about. This is what when we care, like the Samaritan who people thought as an outcast. What he said, what is mine is yours. Notice what this Samaritan did. If, if you look at his, his he went to him. Folks, when somebody's hurting, you go to them. Don't wait, don't wait for them to come to you. Second, what did he do? He bandaged the wound. He did something. He acted on it. In other words, folks, when there's somebody we need, let's act upon it. What's the third thing he did? He put oil and wine so that this person will be healed. What's the next thing? He put him on his donkey. Are you, put, are you going to put these people in your car? Sometimes there are people come to you. Would, you. would you put them in your car? Oh, but man, they stink, you know? Maybe they're going to mess up my car. If somebody's hurting out there, are you going to help them? Folks, we need to put them on the car. Look at this, all right? Then what else? He brought him to an inn, a place where he'd be cared for. Ah, oh, but then here's the last thing he did. He was even willing to pay. He said, sir, I'm going to come back. I'm going to pay for the difference. You know what's so nice about this? What he said, what is mine, is yours. Remember this, your demonstration of love to others is, a, is an expression of your relationship with God. How you treat others will determine whether your deep relationship with the Father who loves you and gave His Son for you and for me. We should be an expression of the gospel. The church needs to be that kind of a church. So when people say, you know what? I like the church. 
Not only do they pray for me, that they do more than that. They care about me, but also they care about my spiritual life, my soul, that I come to hear about Jesus Christ. We need to be able to do things together. Let me share a story about a group of Vietnamese. By the way, we were, we were at a, um, a Catholic yesterday, um, a meeting called yesterday, Edson was there. It was a wonderful group. We had all these Asians from different backgrounds, Lahu, Montagnard, Vietnamese. You know what? I love them. Why? They're my brothers. They're my sisters. They have so many stories to share what they've been through. But let me share with you one of the stories of a group of 96 Vietnamese. What happened in, in 1985, there were a group of 96 Vietnamese that were in this, this small boat, rickety boat. They were leaving Vietnam. They wanted to escape the tyranny that was there. As they were waiting for, they, their boat uh, lost its power and they were just bobbing out there about to lose their food. And they kept waving to the ships, come and rescue us. One by one, the ships passed by. 20, 30, 40, 50 ships, none of them stopped for these Vietnamese people who were dying inside this rickety ship. Until there was one ship, this, this captain, a, a Korean vessel just passed by. And somehow he saw what was happening. He couldn't stand it. He said to his sailors, he said, to, 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 he was the captain, captain, Captain John. He says, I want you to know that I want to go back and pick up those people. He said to his other sailors, are you with me on this? I know there will be repercussions for my decisions. Is it okay with you that we turn around? They all said yes. The story goes, he went back. He rescued all those people and they got saved. However, the story says, that captain lost everything. He lost his job because they're not supposed to pick up, pick up refugees. He had to use all, all his money through all the shears for him to be sustained. He couldn't find another job. And so since that time, nobody even gave him the recognition. However, on August 8, 2004, a group of Vietnamese people in Westminster, California, you know what they did? They said, we want to honor Captain John for how he was able to rescue us. We said we could never repay what he'd done, but because of him, we are alive today. Folks, what will it cost for us to be able to, to rescue people out there? That one of these days they will say, I want to say thank you to you people at GGCF. Because I was at one point at this place where nobody really cared about me. But because you cared, I'm now alive. And I'll see God's love. I pray that we will be able to cross the line together one of these days, and God will say to you, well done, faithful servants of GGCF, because through you, look at all these people that God has been able to bring to you. You've been able to care for them. Now I'm willing to give you more. Folks, if we don't know how to care for each other here, how can God give us more people that we can be caring for? We need to learn to care for the people that are here and the people that God allows us to be able to reach and bring to the kingdom. One more story, and I'd like to close with this. I want us to be able to finish the line together as we hold hands. Some people say, do we hold hands at GGCF? I believe so, right? Oh, but you're not supposed to hold hands because they're men. Listen, we're brothers and sisters, all right? Let's remove any kind of malice here. There's no malice in our church because you're family. We can hold and love each other, amen? Because we're going to be holding hands together a short while here. There was, there was a, uh, um, uh, an Olympic that took place and this happened in uh, uh, Special Olympics. And it happened there were these uh, nine 
uh, handicapped kids. They were, they, were, they were supposed to be running. And maybe you heard this story, but I love this story. And they were running this race. It, it was, it, it was a, uh, a race where they had to go, come to the finish line. As they were running, one of the kids who was handicapped stumbled and he fell and he started to cry. You know, in other words, he was crying and he was bawling. And all the other kids, too, all the other handicaps, they saw what's happening. They all stopped. They looked back. They saw the boy that was crying. What they did, they, went all, they all went back. They helped the boy up. They held hands together. And they all ran together to the finish line. When they got there, the whole crowd were giving their applause for 10 minutes. Because they knew it was not just about winning. It is allowing us to all go finish line together, bring more people with us who needs the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, we need to be united. We need to move forward. We need to forgive whatever the facet covered with the blood. Say, God, we've got a vision. We've got a purpose. We've got to allow people into the kingdom. And it starts right here, right in our home, and learning to love one another. I pray that you and I can cross the finish line together, holding our hands together. Say, Lord, are you going to say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's all stand. I'm going to ask you to do something. Hold the hands across. Right? We want to finish together. All right? Just, just go to the aisle. All right? Just hold your hands. Right there. All right. We'll just connect. We just want you to realize this is family right now. All right? And I hope that you can look at the person on your left and your right and say, you know what? I'd like us to finish the line together. Make it into the Lord's presence together too. All right? I look forward to that time we can be in eternity. However, you have to understand too, there are many people still that need to be a part of this family here. Out there, there are many lost people who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. They're lonely in need of a Savior. And I pray that we can be that person. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you loved us so much, that you gave us your Son, Jesus Christ. He left the splendor and glory to, be, to become a human being like us. Because he knew, Lord, that if we were left to ourselves, we will all be destroyed because of our sinful ways. But thank you that you brought hope into our lives. Thank you that you died on the cross for our sins so that we can be forgiven. So that we will have a life, the Lord, that is changed not only for ourselves, but for your purpose and for your will. So, Father, forgive us when we have been so self-centered in our lives. Because we know, Lord, that was who we were. But we thank you, Lord, you showed us through your Son that we can be changed. Father, I pray if there's anybody here in this circle as we hold hands together that still doesn't know you, that may that person know that you love them, that they can give their hearts to Jesus Christ. My friend, whoever you might be, if as, you hear, as you hear my voice this morning, if you haven't given your heart yet to Christ, you're not yet a part of the family of God, you can today. He promised today you will be his child. And so you can do this by a simple prayer. The Bible says in John 1.12, But as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. You can say a simple prayer to the Lord that goes like this, God, I realize that I need you. And I want to thank you for you love me so much that you died on the cross for my sins. Oh, Jesus, forgive me. And I thank you now that I can ask you to come into my life. And I believe, Lord, that you died in my place. Not because I deserve this, but because you love me. Forgive me, cleanse me, 
Make me your child. From now on, my desire is to live for you. And Lord, thank you that even today, you made me a part of your family. Now I belong to you. I also belong to the family of God. Thank you. And Father, as we hold hands together as well, I pray for this family here at GGCF. You brought us, Lord, together. Not for any personal reason, but, but to be able to do your will. Lord, we need each other so we can carry out the work that you've given us to do. Make disciples of all people. We know, Lord, life is tough, and that's the reason why you gave us family. So we can be an encouragement to each other. So we can hold hands together. So we can cross the line together, Lord. Because it's not about myself winning, but it's us being able to bring more people into your kingdom. So, Father, empower us with your spirit. Give us this boldness. Allow us, Lord, to be accountable to one another. But also, Lord, give us our heart's desire to make disciples of all people. So thank you, Lord, for what you've done in this church in the past. We thank you for what you're doing today. And Lord, we know the greater days of this church is coming. So Lord, empower us so we can be able to fulfill what you've called us to do. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Amen. Look to the person next to you and tell them that I'm so glad you're a part of the family of God.